Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Tribune Audio Network. The great Jermaine Basil continues to dazzle audiences well into her 80s. Yes, Jermaine Basil continues to do her thing. Man. Welcome to the 50th New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. I'm LBJ, and uh, we're talking about five folks who surprisingly played all 50, or will play all 50. This year's the 50th, but they played the very first year, and they played every year, starting with the great Tremaine Basil, an educator, performer, and uh, just all-around incredible musician. We're also going to profile in this piece, in our podcast, not only Jermaine Basil, but also pianist entertainer Ronnie Cole, George French, the great bassist and singer, uh, Johnny Vodakovich, the incredible drummer from New Orleans, who's an educator as well, educates drummers around the world on Skype classes, and uh, James Rivers. What do you say about James Rivers? My goodness, he plays saxophone as his primary instrument, but also plays flute, plays uh, alto plays harmonica and an incredible jazz bagpipe you heard right jazz bagpipe so let's get to it jermaine basil performing this year at the 50th new orleans jazz and heritage festival and while she started on stage as a bass player for some her singing calls to mind another giant of the jazz world Here's longtime festival producer Quint Davis talking about what he loves about Jermaine Basil. Jermaine Basil, that's easy. That's the Ella Fitzgerald of New Orleans. Comparisons like that are certainly well-founded, tested by Basil's decades on the bandstand. But Basil told us her true calling was teaching young people music. Yeah, okay. Can we take it from that? In fact, while Basil's a New Orleans native, her work in the classroom started back in 1953 in Thibodeau after graduating from Xavier. She also spent over 50 years at Xavier Prep and currently teaches at the Louis Armstrong Summer Jazz Camp every year. But on stage, her work is as rich as ever. She is the jazz vocalist of New Orleans, just like Irma Thomas is the soul vocalist of New Orleans. Jermaine Basil, you know, she's it's it's beautiful. And and she that's her place. That's her place in New Orleans in jazz singing. What's interesting about putting these pieces together and getting a chance to talk to these giants of the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival and giants of the industry here in our city is you find out about some interesting personalities. If you notice, you never heard Jermaine Basil speak to us because she is painfully shy about doing interviews. She spoke on the phone. She spoke in person, but wouldn't do it on camera, on the microphone. 
and loved the piece when it was over, which was amazing. And we love that about her. But she's a beautiful woman, a wonderful spirit, and has educated hundreds hundreds of students throughout the New Orleans area after spending over 50 years at Xavier Prep and continues to sing at twice a week on Tuesday night. She's over at the Little Gem and then over on Sunday she performs at the Jazz Playhouse well into her 80s and doing her thing. Another entertainer we got a chance to talk to is the great Ronnie Cole. Man, what an honor. Ronnie Cole, believe it or not, actually predates Jazz Fest with Jazz Fest, if you will. Ronnie Cole came to New Orleans as a piano player for the great Al Hurt. But by the same token, he sort of got involved and got involved in the music scene here and had a club on Bourbon Street, just did a bunch of different stuff. But there were a couple of festivals before the Jazz Fest that Ronnie Cole was actually involved in. He's been around for a long time and always been involved. The great Ronnie Cole. Central to the New Orleans music story of the second half of the 20th century are these hands, the hands of Ronnie Cole. He hails from Chicago, and years ago, Ronnie was getting a bit tired of touring with his band and got a fateful call from another New Orleans music giant, Al Hurt. Al got a hold of me in Norfolk before I even <laughs> left there and said, I want you to come down and open up my new club on Bourbon Street and be my house band and, and all that. And I said, oh, my God. Good news for us, Ronnie Cole never left, eventually teaming with Moran's Restaurant folks to open his own place, Cole's Corner, also on Bourbon Street. Back then, the street was hopping with good music, and it gave Ronnie a real chance to show his versatility. If, if I wanted to be a piano player, I'd just be sitting here being a piano player. If I wanted to be a pianist entertainer, you, you're a pianist, and you entertain. In the late 60s, Ronnie was a part of a team that ran a couple of jazz festivals in our city, but saw a need to produce a bigger showcase. We realized that this was too big, we, we, it, it, too successful, that we needed, you know, a major guy who did festivals. So the fateful decision to bring George Ween from the Newport Jazz Fest happened, and here we are 50 years later, and Ronnie Cole has been there since the beginning. We were honored to have these people come be a part of something that wasn't something <laughs> at that point. So Ronnie Cole played in the first year in 1970. My goodness, what an honor and a pleasure to talk to Ronnie Cole. He and his beautiful wife, Gardner, welcomed us into their home and really spent just a, a wonderful afternoon. And, and, and the stories are so many to talk about, you know, his coming to New Orleans and working with Al Hurt and doing all of the stuff. I mean, Al Hurt is a big star at the time. He's touring the world and everything. Ronnie's his music director and running his whole thing. He says, Al actually kicked him out. He says, hey, man, it's time to do your own thing now. And uh, you've gotten too big to just be under my wing. And so that's when the split came and it was, you know, Cole's Corner to have his own bar on Bourbon Street. So you had Al Hurt's place on Bourbon Street. You had Pete Fountain's place on Bourbon Street. And you had Ronnie Cole, Cole's Corner, with the Moran's Restaurant folks. And so it's a different time on Bourbon Street. It wasn't the uh, 
the age of big A beers and <laughs> cheesy T-shirt shops and canned music from DJs or whatever or cover bands. You had guys actually playing and the street was hopping and it was wonderful. Another thing about Ronnie and his wife, they are wine connoisseurs. And, and, and I mean, like in the most serious in the sense of the word, they've, they've got their own their own wine cellar and it's chilled and everything and all of their wines I said oh okay Ronnie and he walked me in and we're looking around and he says and this is from this region is that from that region I said well is this a uh like a California wine or is that a no 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 all of this comes from France I said oh my goodness she's got an entire cellar of fantastic wines from France and champagnes and everything else. And uh, he actually, he and his wife Gardner were granted some type of award status where they've got these medals for their knowledge and their, you know, Coventry of wines and champagne. I thought it was the most awesome deal in the world. It's his whole nother life. <laughs> and, and so he... He gave me a, a bottle to bring home to my wife that, uh, as he put it, came from a particular region where it was grown at the top of a mountain where the better grapes are grown. And I had no idea about all this stuff. So thank you, Ronnie Cole. And thanks for the education. And thanks for 50 years of Jazz Fest. On to the Frenches. My goodness. Well, any of the records you might have heard in the 60s from either Fats and Domino to, I don't know, Ernie Cato, to a lot of the Two Saints stuff. Uh, the guy playing bass on a lot of these records would have been Mr. George French. And he was a young man back then. I mean, in high school, uh, his son Gerald told the story of his dad, Albert Papa French, and his uncle coming, grabbing him out of class in St. Aug and bringing him over to Cosimo Matassa's studio in high school with his high school uniform on to play on a session for Fats Domino. Incredible stuff. Uh, the Frenches are a dynasty in our city. Uh, Gerald uh, French still playing drums and now leading the original tuxedo brass band that his grandfather led. Um, and the great George French not only played on a heck of a lot of records, but on stage with the stars of New Orleans music playing at the 50th Jazz and Heritage Festival, Mr. George French. One musical family has been at the forefront of promoting and playing New Orleans music for decades. That family is the French family, and the patriarch of this generation is the great bassist and singer George French. George began his career in the tradition of his father, the late Albert Popper French, who led the original Tuxedo Brass Band. But George took that music farther and explored other genres. My dad, I think to me, my dad is like the refining part of that whole thing. He, um, you know, growing up in New Orleans in the late 40s and 50s, you know, got a lot of the R&B kind of stuff, but then also was exposed to more modern jazz. In fact, French was performing in studio sessions while still in high school and went on to play on dozens of hit records coming out of our city. French also shared the bandstand with a who's who of New Orleans music greats, but of all his work on bass, he's just as heralded for what he can do with his voice. You're gonna your wings. 
George French as a singer, which I don't know if people know. George French is like the Lou Rawls of New Orleans. Yes. George, and, and when you see George French in the Cube, and the, um, on the Alt-Tent, you go to that. There's such a wealth of music history that resides in the career of George French. His son Gerald says that playing with his dad is always an enriching experience. You could be playing a trad tune one minute, an R&B tune the next minute. You know, you could be playing Miles Davis or John Coltrane the next minute. You know, the electric slide. I mean, you know, it, it, you know the thing with my dad is music has no, no boundaries. You know? That was Gerald French talking about his dad, the great George French, you know, and Gerald makes comment that, you know, playing with his dad is the honor of his life. But he, as he said, his dad is one of the most versatile musicians there is. While his grandfather and George French's dad played banjo and led a brass band, if you will, the, the original tuxedo brass band. Uh, as he said, his dad, George French, the bassist, who we just featured, sort of took that music a bit farther and much more of a modern jazz artist, an R&B artist, plays a little bit of everything. And he tells the story that his dad also tells him uh, when they're on a the gig. Hey, man, you practice at home. Don't practice up here on stage. <laughs> he says, you got to really be up there paying attention to what his dad is doing because he's... Uh, He's an awesome musician that can go in any direction. Now to the great Mr. Johnny Vodakovich, drummer extraordinaire. The interesting thing about talking to Johnny Vodakovich and the times that we've had a chance to really go over to his house and really sit down, and that's where we meet him at home, is that on several occasions, Johnny's actually educating other drummers around the world, and he does it on Skype. He's sitting there with an iPad in front of him, and it's on and he's talking and he's telling rhythms to drummers and it is the most interesting thing you ever want to see. And Johnny says, hey, man, you know, it has a feel. It has to feel a certain way. And that's kind of what he hears even over Skype and being able to give very intimate and intricate details in his lessons to these drummers. It's a cool, cool thing. As it relates to Johnny playing at Jazz Fest that first year, was with another biggie of the New Orleans music scene, Mr. Al Baletto, the great saxophonist and band leader. Johnny played in 1970 with Al's band. Here is Johnny Vodakovich. Drummer Johnny Vodakovich is a force whenever he's on stage, be it with a modern jazz quartet he's played with for years in Astral Project or with his own trio, this man can beat those skins. The stories Johnny tells with his instrument are at the heart of our music. I mean, central to all New Orleans music is drumming. You know, whether it's second line, brass bands, everything. That that snare, what that drum has, that's the center of everything. Central to the story of Jazz Fest for the last 50 years has been Johnny's drumming. In fact, he played the very first year in Al Baletto's band, and he says the crowds were small but attentive, and the feel was certainly different than the fest we know today. It's way more like a picnic. You know, m way more like a picnic. It wasn't as, as big. 
I, th I immediately thought, hey, this is really pretty. You know, everybody's smiling, uh, uh, everybody laying around in the grass, you know, people were bringing their food, bringing their drinks, and, you know, picnic, kind of a big picnic. It had all a 100% poten potential to last. And last it did. And so has Johnny's drum contribution to our music scene through his playing and education of drummers around the world. He, like most that grew up playing here, is noted for his versatility. In New Orleans, everybody plays everything. There's no walls between that. Everybody plays everything. And so Johnny Vodakovich, he can be the heart of any kind of music. That's New Orleans music and traditional music. But he should not be underestimated in the world. of the great Johnny Vodakovich right there. Interestingly, this year at Jazz Fest, uh, as Quinn said, you know, paying tribute to the drummers themselves, and there's been such an incredible line of great drummers out of New Orleans, James Black, Smokey Johnson, uh, and, he, and those guys are of yesteryear, but today, um, Herlin Riley, Shannon Powell, Terrence Higgins, Johnny Vodakovich, Johnny, the four guys I just named, they actually played a set here at Jazz Fest this year called Give the Drummer Some, uh, an incredible uh, tribute to what the drum has meant and what it currently means and what it always will mean to New Orleans music. On to our final, and I say last but not least, because Mr. James Rivers is one of the most versatile instrumentalists uh, in, in the entire world. Here's a guy that plays alto sax, he plays tenor sax, he plays flute, harmonica, and bagpipes. And in the case of the bagpipes, it, it, it happened on a whim. He says he was uh, watching a sporting event back in the 70s, and they did the national anthem with bagpipes, and he said, hey, that's something I think I can do. And so he taught himself to play the bagpipes. Now, I was a musician in high school, and I played in a pretty hefty New Orleans marching band, the St. Aug Marching 100. I don't think I taught myself to do anything ever on an instrument. But to be so gifted and so talented as the great Mr. James Rivers is, is pretty awesome. That first year, 1970, he was in the Deacon John Band and eventually split off from that, but played Jazz Fest all 50, and he's back for number 50 this year. He played all 49. He's back for number 50 this year. So here he is, Mr. James Rivers. It generally takes a lifetime for most horn men to master a single instrument, but the great James Rivers is not like most men. You see, James started playing back at Craig Elementary School with some of the biggest names to come out of our music scene, like Smokey Johnson and Sugar Boy Crawford. He played Jazz Fest that first year with Deacon John, but he really didn't expect much. I just thought it was going to be another gig at that time. You know, this is the thing that was passing through for that year. But man, ooh, 50 years later, here we are, you know? And over those 50 years, James has rocked the Jazz Fest stages with some memorable performances. James is a great, great gentleman, but man, you know, he still does 
He does the thing with the flute, yeah. where he talks in the flute, yeah. but has a harmonica taped on the flute. <laughs> and it'll go into like Jimmy Reed, and then jump back into Yosef Latif. <laughs> a dynamic performance is always in store at a James Rivers show. But like most New Orleans musicians, Jazz Fest gives him a chance to get excited to show his stuff. Well, I do, because you have people coming from all over the world, you know? And my thing is, is to try to, when I come on, is to try to make them happy, you know? James Rivers, always making everybody happy. In fact, he's also made some folks in Hollywood happy from time to time. Uh, Clint Eastwood, of all folks, got a hold of James Rivers by seeing him play here in New Orleans. They became pretty fast friends, and James uh, was... Uh, able to write some music for one or two of Clint Eastwood's movies. He's got pictures of him all over his house and stuff like that. Pretty cool stuff. So I thought that was a really nice honor for him to be able to do that. And and nice of Clint to recognize some folks from New Orleans and not just play, pay him to play a gig, but also get him a pretty nice check for writing some music for a couple of his movies. A good deal. Uh, thanks so much. We've been uh, happy to honor these five folks for Giants of the Fest this year, our annual series that we produce for News with a Twist uh, of Jermaine Basil this year, Ronnie Cole, Johnny Vodakovich, George French, and James Rivers, five of the individuals who played every year of the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. They played in 1970 at the very beginning, the first one. And uh, what we call now Congo Square, Louis Armstrong Park. Back then it was called Beauregard Square. Um, and after 1972, the fest moved to uh, the fairgrounds uh, for that year. And it's been there ever since, uh, this year being the 50th year. To be clear, there were also a couple of other artists that played all 50 of the Jazz Fest. One of them would be Little Freddie King. The other one is Ellis Marcellus. And I think it's Tim Laughlin or one of the other guys that actually played two or three others that actually played every year from the very, very beginning. So we want to give them props as well. But it's an honor that we still have these folks and any chance we get to see them perform weekly around town or even at the festival this year, do so because uh, uh, we won't always have that opportunity. It has been great for us to Honor them again this year in Giants of the Fest, and thanks so much for listening. Let everybody sing yeah. Yeah. Go. This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.